Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Peter chapter 5. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. I tell you what, these are just uh, great scriptures. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You know, we're, we're living in a day where it is God's plan and God's desire to exalt each and every last one of us. Doesn't matter where you've come from, what, what, what your background is, makes no difference what your current situation is. God is looking to exalt you. You know, God's always got better. He's always got more that he wants us to experience and, all the, and the more that he wants to show us and do in our lives. And, and uh, it says here that if we'll just humble ourselves, that he will exalt us. We can cast all our care upon him because he cares for us. I like what the Amplified said. It says that he cares about us affectionately and watches, watches over us watchfully. He looks over us watchfully. I mean, he, his attention is upon us. And... Um, you know, this scripture is a great thing, and around here we know that in the last, uh, uh, last little while that God's been moving and things have been happening, and, and I'm grateful that as a church that the Lord has been exalting us, not in a pride thing, but meaning exalting is taking us from where we were into a new place. And uh, he's been busy at work and doing things, and, and I'm so thankful for that. You know, God is faithful. The Bible says that if you seek him, if you seek God, if you go after him, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. He never lets us down. He never fails to come through. He never fails to, to, to satisfy, right? He never fails to do these things. He's just so good. He loves us. And... Um, uh, and so we know that's true. God's been moving around here. And, and you know, I, I'm reminded of the scripture in Genesis, the very beginning, that God was hovering over the face of the deep, over the waters. You know, God is still hovering today. And so if you've not gotten in it or, or maybe you feel like you're not quite where you could be, listen, God's still hovering over you. He's looking for an opportunity to promote you and to exalt you and to move you up higher. Amen. Aren't you glad about that? I don't know about you, but I've gone through seasons in my life, most times as a result of my own inadequacies inadequacies and failures and, and bad attitudes and wrong ideas and just sometimes plain old, can we just say disobedience? <laughs> Not found myself where I need to be. Can anybody relate to that? I know it's hard to imagine that that's possible from your associate past. It's possible. But you know what? Even in that, in that state, in that situation, in those times, God is still hovering over your life. He's still looking to move, still looking to be good, still looking to just be God to you. Whoo, praise God for that, amen? And so we're thankful for that, but the scripture goes on to say right after that in the eighth verse, it says, be sober, self-control, which just means self-control, be vigilant or watchful, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You know, I like this, and sometimes they go, oh, why is the devil picking on me? Listen, he doesn't like anybody. So don't take it personally, he just doesn't like anybody. But we have, we know God is moving, he's looking to exalt us, but at the same point, we also have to be aware of the fact that we have an adversary, adversary, and he's looking to, to do the opposite. He, God wants to exalt us, he wants to detract from us and to take us down to his level. And uh, before I go any further, you know, I just want to uh, uh, just make sure we don't give the devil any more credit than he's due, because he's not really my, my focus this morning. I remember years ago, it's one of my favorite 
memories. You know, certain things happen in your childhood when you're growing up, and they just stick with you. And I've said this before, but I remember sitting in the old church uh, building we had downtown High Springs, and uh, uh, many of you, maybe some of you here remember this. Some of you, any of you remember where I know where I'm going with this? Well, maybe you don't. But anyway, Joanna's hand went up back there. We're sitting there, and pastor's ministering on something. I don't know what it was, and this older gentleman stood up. I remember him being super tall and very thin. And uh, kind of like an older version of, uh, where's old Mr. Kendrick at? You know, real thin and just kind of wiry looking, you know. And, and he looked like somebody that could, where's he at? There he is. Oh, right in front of me. You know, somebody that, he, you know, could be a little scary if, if, if you're not careful. But anyway, he, and, and so he, he stu- maybe he was Justin's age. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I remember him standing up and pastor was talking about the devil being defeated or something. And, and he stood up and I remember he pointed his long Looks like three foot long finger, it seemed like, you know, a pastor in a, in a booming, shaky, super scary voice. You better be afraid of the devil. Anybody, anybody was here remembers that? Uh, I, I, no, I, it just, it has stuck with me as one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And so he sat, that's all he said. He sat down and pastor said, okay, well, thanks. And just went right on about what he was doing. So, you know, a lot of times people are afraid of the devil and have this idea that, you know, uh, that he's some big threat. Listen, he's an adversary who walks around like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He tries to act like one. He's all bark and no bite. He's a Jimmy Smith. I mean, he looks tough, but there is nothing back there behind it, right? (laughs) We'll say that up here. Well, I can't. It'll hurt me if I said it in person. But anyway, he's all bark and no bite. And so, you know, we, we're, we're, we need to be aware that God is moving, but we also need to be aware that we have an adversary who's arrayed against us. But like I said, I don't want to give him more credit than he's due. I don't want to read a couple of scriptures to you. And, and if you just want to, if you want to add a little amen that this sounds good to you and you like this, feel free to do it. It says in Colossians chapter 2, speaking of the enemy, he said he's been dis, that the Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. The Amplified says God disarmed the principalities principalities and powers that were arraigned ranged against us and made a bold and public example of them triumphing over them in him and in it the cross so we had an we have an adversary yes but he's been made a public spectacle of the message bible says that he stripped all all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Yeah, I said naked, that he marched them naked through the streets. How many of you know when you're naked and being marched through the streets naked, you, you, you've got no more pride there, right? I mean, you know, it's all on display, right? All of your glory or lack thereof, right? I mean, it's all on display. And so the Jesus marched the enemy with, you know, completely barren in front of the entire universe, been completely stripped. I like what Hebrews chapter 2 says. He said that, uh, that he might destroy him who had the power of death, release those who are subject to bondage. Rotherhams of this said that he paralyzed the death-dealing power of Satan. Have you realized that the the death-dealing power of our adversary has been rendered completely neutral and has been obliterated? So we know that God is moving, but at the same time, we need to be aware because Peter encouraged us to be aware of this, that we have an adversary, so we need to be aware of it. We need to be watchful that we have an adversary, but keep in mind that your adversary has been defeated. That's good news this morning, right? So that just means in everything, we're, we're victorious. The victory has already been won. You don't have to do anything to get it. Jesus already took care of it. But he's still an adversary. 
And we do need to be watchful and look over and, and be careful. Go over me to uh, Hebrew, or Ephesians, rather, chapter 6. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. I want to look at a scripture here. Got a few things in my heart this morning. I believe the Lord uh, wanted, wanted me to talk about. I think it will be a help to us. Uh, so I really want to get through it all this morning. Kind of get it into one shot. Now, I know we've got a lot of folks out today, a lot of people that aren't here today, and so uh, uh, people on vacation doing different things. And so if you know somebody, this might be a help too, which would be our church body as a whole. Encourage them to listen to it online. That's why they're there, right? And maybe it's good for you to come back and listen to it again and, and see what the Lord has for us. Amen? But Ephesians chapter 6 in the 10th verse, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil. The Amplified says, put on the whole armor of God, the armor of a heavy-armed soldier which God supplies. Aren't you glad it's not our armor? He supplies the armor. It says that you may be able to successfully stand against all the strategies and deceits of the enemy or of the devil. I looked up the word strategies. What is that? Strategy or strategies are the art or science of the planning and conduct of a war. Even though the enemy's been defeated, he's still trying to perform and conduct a war against us. Now we know that his victory is sealed, or his defeat rather is sealed, and our victory is also sealed. But he's still trying his best. He's that deceived. He thinks that he can actually pull one over on God, right? It says that it's the art or science of the planning or conduct of a war, a plan, method, or series of maneuvers or stratagems for ob obtaining a specific goal or result. It's a plan, method, or series of maneuvers that, that is trying to achieve a specific result. And so there are strategies that the, enemies ha the enemy has. There are, the Bible goes on to say in the Amplified, it says deceits. Deceits are concealment or a distortion of the truth for the purpose of misleading, causing fraud, or cheating. So deceits are a distortion of the truth for the purpose of misleading, fraud, or cheating. And so we know that he has uh, maneuvers. Now we know he's defeated, but these things are powerful if we listen to them. If we obey them, you know, it's like if a scammer calls your house and, and says that, you know, you're getting the phone call, there's something wrong with your computer and we need you to log on. I love it when they call me because I play with them. I think it's funny. They're always calling from somewhere overseas. Oh, really? Oh, do you, your Windows machine, my Windows machine is, is, has a virus. Oh, no. And, and I'll say, oh, that's terrible. And you could tell they're getting all excited. Oh, I found me a winner. We're going to make some money today. And so I let them go this whole deal. If I have time, I do this. This whole big explanation. I say, but wait a second. I don't have a Windows machine. I have a Mac. You said it's on my Windows machine. How's that possible? I, I just love to toy with them, you know. <laughs> Maybe it's just, I, I need a pastime or something because I, I need something better to do with my time. But anyway, when they call the house, I think it's funny. But you know, when they make that phone call, there is real no, a really no threat to you. There's no threat to you. There's really, there's nothing wrong with your computer. Chances are, right? There's no real threat to you. The only threat there is is if you're deceived by it, if their maneuvers cause you to take action that allow them to do something that otherwise they don't have the authority to do. So the enemy comes with strategies, he comes with maneuvers, he comes with plans, and so oftentimes, this thing's popping a little bit this morning, a lot of times, you know, they seem simple at the beginning, but they're a plan. If you know anything about military exercises, oftentimes they don't just come full force in the very beginning, but there is a series of events that take place to set up the greater battle and the ultimate victory. In the beginning maneuvers, you may not even know what's happening, but they are setting things up for what their goal is at the end. 
And so we have to be aware of the fact that the enemy has wiles. He has strategies and things that he's uh, looking to, to do. And so there are three things that I had on my heart today. And there's probably other things uh, uh, to mention, but three things on my heart to, to mention today that I believe will be a help to us. And um, before we go any further, I just want everybody to know, listen, you know, I'm not thinking about anybody in particular. It's funny when you minister, a lot of times people will take what you're saying and is he trying to say something to me? I'm just trying to preach the word and obey God, right? And that's, that's a big enough job in and of itself. So uh, uh, three areas that I believe will be a help to you. And so just examine your own life and see where, and, and I believe it'll be a help to us. Anytime the Lord impresses us to do something, it's always for our benefit, right? And... Um, like I said, there are probably other, other areas, but these are the three that the Lord uh, brought to me. And number one is something that I'll just touch on really quickly. Go over to Matthew chapter 12, Matthew the 12th chapter. It's a verse that, that we know, that we've heard before, and, and, uh, and we know it in the Word, but then in life we also know that it's also true. We see this exemplified in, in, in many areas. In Matthew chapter 12, uh, verse 25 You've got the beginning part of the verse and uh, where uh, here in verse 25 says, But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Notice, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. So, every, so we know this to be true. When you have a group of people just in the natural, uh, maybe in, in, a, in a family, a, a local, just a personal family, if the husband and wife become divided and are at opposition with one another, how many know that the family is not going to work the way that it should? Right? The, the family is supposed to provide a role and function in a certain way. And if there's any division there, if there's any rift there, then things don't function the way they should. And so, you know, when you look at in any organization, you know, our government, we have opposition forces that are working against one another. That's why there's a lot of it doesn't work the way that it should because people are fighting for their side versus fighting for what's right. And it's on both sides of the aisle, right? So anytime something is divided against itself, it's not going to do and accomplish what it was designed to do. Well, the same thing is true of any local church. And so uh, just so, real quickly, we know that strife and division is a huge thing that we've got to be on the lookout for. Like I said, I'm not saying this for anybody in particular, but just all of us in general, it's a while that the enemy uses or a device that he uses, oftentimes very subtle. But if we're not careful to, to immediately say, hang on a second, I don't own a Windows machine, right? And to address the situation and, and take a step back, not react to what's being said, but take a step back and look at what's really going on. It's easy to be deceived by this. And so a lot of times the enemy will bring thoughts and, and different things. You know, the devil's always going to try it. One good thing I'll say about this, the devil is persistent. But the other thing is he's pretty pathetic because he doesn't have anything new to try. He's been doing this from the very beginning. He, he, he got Adam and Eve in trouble by causing division. Between them and God. What God said really isn't what's going to happen. What's in, he's starting to cause conflict between them. Right? And they, they I'm, I'm sure the Bible doesn't say it, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if the enemy tried this at multiple times to get their attention. And they never bought in. But at some point they begin to entertain these things. And so thoughts and things that come that would try to cause division, see it for what it is. And, and realize, does it, does it draw you closer to God? Does it cause love to well up on the inside of you, or does it cause some other reaction? But Jesus said you can judge a tree by its fruit, right? I mean, I don't know a lot about trees, and there's some people that can look at a leaf, and they can tell exactly what it is. But when I see an apple tree that has apples on it, I, I know it's an apple tree. 
I'm smart enough to know that, right? When it starts bearing some fruit, I recognize, okay, that's not a banana plant. That's an apple tree. Or that's not a pear tree. That's, a, uh, that's this or that's that. I'm smart enough to know that. Well, take a step back and look at what fruit is it. You know, things of the Spirit begin to produce something immediately. And you can immediately begin to evaluate what it is. So we know that strife and division is something that uh, the enemy tries to bring. And so uh, we, need, we must always stay on guard against that. So that's just something I wanted to touch that the Lord said, yeah, go ahead and talk about that. So we all understand that, right? You know, it's our responsibility as individuals to make sure that we don't allow strife and division in. All right? No, you can't control somebody else, but you can and are in control of you right? It's kind of like a husband and wife, and I'm looking at Q and Lizzie. You know, it's not Q's job to make sure what Lizzie does. It's Q's job to make sure that, Li- that Q does what he's supposed to do, and then do the right thing, sow the right seed, and entrust God to deal with Lizzie to do the right thing. Whether she does the right thing or not doesn't justify Q to do anything other than what's right, correct? And so in our walk with our, with our brothers and sisters, it really doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. What are you doing? And they don't have any of those issues. Their marriage is perfect. But anyway, um, we all know if you're married more than five seconds, you know that's not true. But anyway, uh, uh, so you understand it's all of our responsibilities. And the good news is we're well able and up to the task, right? It really requires humbling ourselves. Back to the first scripture we read. Not thinking of ourselves more highly than we should, but humbling ourselves. You know what? Yes, somebody else. You know, can I just say this? There are no perfect people. I know that's a shock. If you look around this morning, you probably won't find a single perfect person in the room. Wow. It's shocking, isn't it? It's the truth. There's nobody. There was one man who was perfect. His name was the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, all of us ought to be pushing forward to to moving towards perfection and moving forward in these areas. But listen, people are going to make mistakes, right? People are going to do things. And problems with offense and, and division, strife, what happens is it wants to glorify somebody else's mistakes above your own, right? And once you do that, then you're not dealing in reality anymore. Right? Then you step beyond the realm of reality. You're in the realm that the enemy works in, who is called the accuser of the brethren. Right? I don't know about you, but I don't want to work with anything that he's doing. And I tell you what, it's a job. Can we all get an amen out of that? It's a job. Sometimes it's tough to not jump on the accusation train, right? Sometimes, and well, let's just say this some of us are naturally inclined with the gift of, uh, uh, <laughs> the gift of, of, uh, uh, what's that? Fault finding or, or we're a little bit skeptical of people. You know, that opens us up. Well, we'll stop with that, right? So those are the areas we need to be addressing, right, and working on. Strife and division. So let's get past that. And we're doing a great job, but just to be aware, this is something the enemy wants to do. Uh, the next thing that the Lord had on my heart to, to share with you this morning is an area of frustration. When God is moving, there is a spirit of frustration that tries to move in and tries to get us off course. You know, I know for myself personally that uh, a couple years ago, maybe three years ago now, the Lord was really dealing with me and I was uh, needing to go back and just reevaluate some things and take a fresh approach on some things and, and look at things in a new light and be open to what, what he would say to me. And we obviously we know the truth never changes, but sometimes our view of the truth uh, becomes skewed, right? We start looking at the truth in a way that really isn't the way that's being presented 
Our own personal things are getting attached to it. And so, Lord, you know, uh, uh, start you know, helping me see these things and, and deal with these things. And so God really started moving me and, and promoting, as far as my own personal walk with him, <clears throat> started seeing things that I'd never seen before and, and, and enjoying fellowship with him that I'd never seen or experienced before. But I noticed that after a time, frustration began to set, set in, step in. Now, on one end, frustration is a good thing. You know, we should not be satisfied in areas where we don't measure up. You do realize that. See, heads, I don't know. Areas where we don't measure up, I, I, I think of Paul. You know, he said, I'm not yet perfected, but one thing I do is I press on to that mark, right? He realized he had failures in his life in areas that weren't what they needed to be. Now, he didn't beat himself up over it. He realizes he's not perfect. That's why we have the grace of God. But at the same point, you want to strive forward to move forward. So there's a, there is a, an element of dissatisfaction with the way things are that causes you to move forward. Has anybody ever uh, decided to clean something at your house? And maybe an area in your house that, that's in the dark sometimes. Maybe it's behind the dresser. Or maybe anybody decided to go home and, and they moved their bed out in their bedroom. Something that you normally, people are like, no, I'd never go back there, Pastor. Why? Because there are creatures that live back there, right? It's, it's in the dark. It's in the areas we don't necessarily see. And so, you know, every now and then when it comes time for spring cleaning, you move these things out to, to get back there. But I don't know about you, but I'm always shocked at what's living back there. I mean, there, there are dunce buddies back there that have like driver's license. They're so big. I mean, these guys are huge. And where did they come from? I don't know. It's because Amy doesn't vacuum very well. I knew it. Anyway, no, that's not true. But anyway, no, there, when, no when, when things in your life aren't in the light, you don't notice them. But when the light moves in, you begin to see areas that need to be adjusted and need, need to be addressed. Well, there is a certain amount of dissatisfaction. You ought not. Oh, that's great. Oh, that is so precious. That thing's back there behind the bed. Let me move the bed back. Let's let it just happen. No, you, you ought to clean that thing up, right? Eventually, it'll tack you in the night if you're not careful. But anyway... So no, you ought, there ought to be a limit of uh, an amount of dissatisfaction where you deal with something, but at the same point, you don't get out of, it's easy if you're not careful to think, well, if this is a mess, then everything's a mess. I mean, what's wrong? I mean, this could be an area where strife would get in. I wish some cleaning would better go on. Of course, then the other side of it is, then why don't I do some cleaning? So we always have to be watching these things. How, does, is, it, is it just for one? Does it also apply to you? So if you approach things that way, you won't get, in, you won't get into a mess, Right? But frustration tries to set in and, and, and tries to get us off course. It's a tactic that the enemy uses. Can anybody say that you've experienced some frustration in, in the past few months? Right? We know, of course, I've already said there are, no, there are no perfect people, so deal with it. Don't get frustrated by it. There is no perfect church. Well, let's not be frustrated by it. I like what one person said, if you ever find a, fr- a perfect church, as soon as you get there, you just ruined it. It's no longer perfect, right? And that's true of all of us. But, but there, there, we will never get to a place where everything is settled and everything is what it ought to be. There's always going to be room for growth. But don't, let, but, but don't let that need for growth overshadow and override the fact that God is still growing you and moving you forward. Right? Frustration is a big deal. Um, one of the things that the enemy does is he tries to bring frustration at the rate of progress that other people are growing. When God is moving, suddenly you're aware that, 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 that there's more out there and you're endeavoring to move forward and, and, you know, it can become frustrating that you're not where you should be. I said this at the ladies' conference. I'll say it again. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. 
Everybody listening to me this morning. It's your relationship with God. You can't compare your walk with God with anybody else's walk with God. It's going to fit your personality. He, he, he considers it a one-on-one relationship. You consider it a one-on-one relationship. When my relationship with my wife, I don't consider anybody else's relationship with her as having anything to do with mine. My relationship with her is my relationship with her. I don't care what your relationship is. This is my relationship with her. So when, when God is moving you, and the lights begin to come on, yes, we see things that, that aren't what they should be and areas where we need to approve. And so frustration would try to get in. But then we also see others that their area over here is perfect. You just forget that they've got different areas that have issues, cobwebs, and they need addressed, right? And so it's easy to get, to get in a place where we're comparing ourselves. Your walk with God is your walk with God. And it's going to look like you and it's going to look like him. There are three things. I, I said this uh, on the ladies' um, uh, treat, uh, retreat that uh, we know about any relationship with God that's growing. There's only three things that I know of that you can say are a fact that are signs of a real growing relationship with God. Number one, it's real. If you have a growing relationship with him, it's going to be real. What does that mean? You're not trying to hide anything, nor is he hiding anything, right? I've said before, if you want God to be real with you, you've got to be real with him. Well, I thought I knew. Well, no, be real with him. Where are you at? Listen, he knows where you are. When, he, when Jesus went to met the woman at the well who had, the, had had the five husbands and the one she was with then wasn't married, do you think he knew? Do you think he knew that already? Right? He asked her a question, bring me your, are you, do you wonder why he asked that question? He wanted to know, he had something for this woman, a word that would change her life, but he wants to know, is she going to be real with me? He knew the answer already. He already knew the answer. He was the son of God. He knew this, but he said, hey, bring me your husband, knowing that she didn't have a husband, knowing that she'd had five before and the one she's with now isn't her husband. Now, has she taken the opportunity to try to cover something up? Oh, well, 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 well everything's great and well then she probably would have missed out on her uh, experience that she had right there so be real with him number two a passionate or a relationship with God is always passionate if your relationship with God doesn't isn't a passionate thing then I challenge you to to reevaluate are you do you have a growing relationship with God when you know him you're crazy about him when, when you're in fellowship with him you you want to know him more Y'all out there this morning. When you are when you're when you're walking with the Father, it's the coolest place to be is at his side. It's passionate, right? So it's real, it's passionate. And uh, what was the third thing? Uh uh I forget what the third thing was that I'd said there, but we'll just stop with those two. It's real and it's passionate, right? And we can say this, it's growing. Listen, your walk with God will always be challenging to you. It'll, if it's not challenged, if, it's, if your walk with God, if you're not being challenged every day in your Christian life, then your walk with God is not as close as it could be, right? I mean, when, whenever he and I are talking, just being around him challenges me. There are areas I see that I didn't see before that just challenge me on, the new, on this day, right? So it's, it's real, it's passionate, and it's always moving forward. So don't let frustration be something that gets you silent. Make a decision once and for all to not yield to frustration, now, we're just touching on some things quickly this morning, but this is a big deal. This has sidelined a lot of people becoming frustrated with others or themselves at the progress that they're making. Can I tell you, I've been there. This is something we have to watch out for, right? Frustration is a big deal. This next one I want to talk about, and the last one, uh, I want to just first just give you an example. Has anybody ever gone to a, um, 
gone at a swimming pool maybe when you were a kid and you decided to create a whirlpool. Everybody done that before? Let me see if you, if I want to see if people are alive this morning. Yeah, okay. Everybody done that before? Got into the pool and start moving? Let's see if we can create a whirlpool. You know, our walk with God is really similar to this. If you'll begin to move, you realize that when you begin to move the water in that pool, that immediately there is a law of nature that sets in with you that's there to aid you. God has set things up, in, even in the natural, to help us. And in the things of the Spirit, whenever we start moving forward, God always comes along and adds something to our movement. It's called momentum. Momentum is something that the Lord brings, and even though at the beginning you may not recognize it, momentum starts the moment you start moving. When you're in that pool, as soon as you move, you, you've, you have moved, but then there is a force of nature that goes with you. It's called momentum. In the things of the Spirit, if you're mo- making any moves towards God, there is momentum that comes from him that's coming alongside you. What is the purpose of momentum? Momentum, when you participate with it, momentum will help you as, sometimes we have a lot of water in our life to move. We have a lot of things we need to start moving, and it may look like nothing's happening, but I'm telling you, some momentum has started, but it might take some diligence on our part to continue to move some things, but if you'll participate with that momentum, what happens at some point, the momentum of the water around you and the things in your life begin to move at such a pace that now it's not you pushing them as much as they're now going with you, and if you let it run its course, it will pick you up and help you to carry large distances that you would not have been able to do on your own. Ever been in the pool and got that pool really going and suddenly you get to the point where it's going faster than your feet can even keep up, right? At that point, when you start moving, there's another force. Remember, listen, the enemy is always at work trying to to come and cause problems. That's what he does. And so a lot of times it seems like momentum in the beginning, but it's not. It's something else. It's called pressure. God brings momentum. He's wanting to carry you, but then there's pressure. Have you ever been in the pool doing this? And suddenly you get to that point where it's going, it's starting to take you faster than you can actually move on your own. Now you had it, you've got to keep participating. It's not time to just cut loose and float. It will slow down. Our walk with God is always constant. You always need to be adding your part of it, but then but then participate with what He's doing. But there does come a point when you're doing a, doing a whirlpool that you realize that it's going faster than you can keep up. And I don't know about you, but I always try to then work that much harder to make it go that much faster, which I'm already, it's already going too fast for me to even keep up with it. Anybody been there before? And so then you try to put in extra effort to make it go that much faster, and what happens? You get aggravated. Anybody out there but me, right? You, you get annoyed with it. You get frustrated with it. You start wondering, well, you know, you get worn out and there's this pressure. I got to do something. Instead of letting the momentum carry you and just enjoy it, you try to add something that really is beyond what you should be adding. Just participate with it and enjoy the ride. See, pressure comes. Pressure comes. Pressure comes. It seems right at the beginning. You got to get this. And there is a certain amount. Listen, there ought to be a certain amount in our life where we're like, I got to get this. Listen, if you're not at the place where you say, I've got to get this, I've got to, I've got to get a hold of these things, then it goes back to a real relationship with God. It's real and it's passionate. And it's moving forward. Part of that passion is I've got to do something with this. Right? If there's not that, I mean, we've got a Sunday morning like this and we've got a lot of people out. It doesn't matter who's out. I've got to get what God has for me. I'm, 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 I've got an opportunity to hang out in the presence of God. I've got to get all that he has for me. See, if you don't have that, and, and you could say that's pressure. Yeah, you could say that's pressure. But on the other side, it's just a heart that's hungry. 
But a lot of times the enemy comes in with pressure and he masks you in the beginning. It's all about a strategy for an end goal. He's working little things and getting you to yield to something that, though it's going in the right direction now, ultimately it will cause your downfall. Right? Everybody understand what I'm saying? Pressure to move. Pressure to move. And I just want to say, stop real fast. It's 1147. Oh, dear Lord, help me. I believe this is important this morning. I believe this is important for where we are. I want to real fast say something. Don't disguise pressure. Now, we, we, we agree that pressure is a tactic of the enemy. God never pressures us, right? God doesn't pressure us. God has never pressured me once in my life. He's never pressured me. Now, you got to do this. Now, there have been times where he says, do this right now, because he was looking, he was trying to get me past something that was immediate, but God is gentle, He's gentle about things. But pressure comes, but one thing that, that happens, and I'm guilty of myself, we mistake pressure for good leadership. And people are like, oh, Lord. Let me, let me just say this. I'm talking about pressure, but there is also something that can feel like pressure because it's tough on your flesh. That's not pressure. It's just good godly leadership. You know, the, specifically, the Lord brought this to my attention. I'll just touch on this real fast. There's many areas. One of the things I've heard over the years, I've, I've been, we've been, Amy and I've been back here for 13 years now in Jacksonville before that. Of course, we started the church when I was five. So my parents were not the type pastors and parents that hid this stuff from their kids. Not that they included us in all the craziness that goes on, but, but you know, there's some craziness that goes on even in churches, right? And so they didn't shield us from those things, but, but I had a very, very, very real perception of what the ministry was like. And this is something I've heard over the years. There's this idea that the pastor's pressuring us. The enemy uses things and accusations of things that aren't happening to get us off course. He's, they're pre we're being, for instance, there are many areas being pressured to be here all the time. Now, I'm just going to say this because the Lord had this on my heart to, to, to address this this morning. Do you realize, can, can we agree that the word teaches that we be here? Can we, can we agree with that? I mean, you know, this is not a person, like, like I said, I'm not thinking about anybody. No, no, I don't want to offend anybody. Oh, dear Lord, let's not offend anybody. Uh, let's just, can we agree that the word not only encourages, but it instructs us to be, to, get, to come together. Yeah. Right? I mean, it says, not, not forsake the sum of yourselves together, which is the manner of some. Obviously pointing that the some who do that are, are not doing what they should. Remember, God's not being hateful or judgmental about or coming down on you, but saying, listen, don't do that. Don't forsake these things, but actually come together all even the more, more often as you see that day approaching. So it encourages more that, listen, if you, if you go to a church where your pastor tells you you ought to be here, don't be upset by it. Be thankful that you've got people that love you enough to speak the word. But the enemy wants to say that they're pressuring you. No, they're just encouraging you. Now, yes, things can be said in ways that are, that are easier to take than others. We all get that. But if we know the word says it, let's go back to what does the word say and what kind of people are we going to be? Ones that, people that honor the word or people that honor our own, take things, the word, but only in light of our circumstance, Right? The word doesn't care what our circumstances are. If we'll obey the word, it'll change our circumstances, right? That's the power of the gospel. It will transform your life. You know, I, we, Amy and I were, are very familiar with the church, and I'll just say this. The Lord gave me this example. I'd never seen this before. Why is this such a big deal? You know, as we move forward and, and, and as we get closer to the day that Jesus approaches, there are things that God wants to do. Amy and I are very familiar with the church that... Um, 
where the pastors approached, and I, and, I, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was trying to be gentle and be accommodating to people and not seem like there's, they're applying pressure, that the common statement was, if you get, on Sunday, get up on Sunday morning and you'd rather go to the beach or do something else, just go do it, come back next week, we'll be glad to have you. And it sounds great on the surface. It sounds great, but you're encouraging people, if you just get up and feel like doing something else, we'll just do it. We know that if you have a vacation, take your vacation, right? Turn off your phone, turn off your tablets, you know, quit answering phone calls from work. That's my biggest thing is don't work when I'm gone, you know. Enjoy your vacation. We all get that. There's, everybody understands that, right? But we do know that if we're, if we're driven by our flesh, as associate pastor, there will be a lot of Sundays that I would just rather go to the beach. Can I get a amen? Can we be honest, right? I'd just rather go do something else, you know, because, or maybe there's a game on I want to watch on Sunday afternoon. There's things you just rather do. But yeah, is it the right thing or is it not? This pastor, you know, would say, if you feel like just going to the beach, just go. Well, what happened is it trained and it set an environment in the church to where you never knew who was going to be there. They had people working in different departments that they would be here this one week. You're counting on the next week. They weren't there. You had no idea why because after all, they got up on Sunday morning. The pastor said, if you'd rather just go to the beach, just go to the beach. And so we went to the beach. I mean, no ministry suffered. Kids weren't being dealt with. The departments weren't being handled, right? Say, so, well, people say this, well, I don't want to come all the time because I don't get anything out of it. Sometimes it's not about us getting something out of it, but giving something, which in the end causes us to get something. Seek first the kingdom of God. He knows what you need. He'll get it to you. Sometimes putting aside our own desires and just doing something because we know we're going, being strategic, I'm going to be a blessing today. When on a Sunday morning last week, a lot of people are out of town. That's great. Maybe there's, maybe there's some people who aren't here. Would you agree? People who aren't here for good reasons, not, be, not being critical, not thinking about anybody. I have no idea where people are other than pastor. That's all I know. But would you agree that when, when we aren't here, it affects everybody else? Yeah, sure it does. When less people are here, it's kind of like, uh, even though Jesus is here, there is a natural kind of letdown, right? Well, maybe somebody needs to, have, to hear what's being ministered, and your being there will help them to hear what's being said that will change their life, right? It's not always about you, but I guarantee if you'll do that, God will always take care of your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, these things will be added to you. Going back to this church, the pastor who did this, here's the thing I never saw before until last night. The Lord told me, he said, yeah, that, that pastor set up that, that way of doing things and the church never really got moving the way that it should. But it also was a reflection of something at the time that was in their heart. He encouraged, a, or, or encouraged them to not be committed beyond what it looked like to uphold the standards of the word. Forget everything else. Just do what the word says. He didn't encourage that because there was something in them that later came up that whenever the grass looked greener on the, other, on the other side of the fence for them, instead of having a commitment to the word, to obey the word in reference where those people are concerned, they just took off and left for another church that looked better only to get there and find out it was a mess. So if you, wanna, if you want leadership that's committed to you and, and upholds the word and their approach to thing, it only makes sense that we as congregants and members also hold the word on face value and just do it because that's what it says to do, right? You understand what I'm saying? But it's easy to think that's pressure. That's not pressure, that's good leadership. Do you want a pastor that tells you don't come? 
If you have a pastor who says, don't worry about it, you probably have a pastor that one day if somebody else calls them and says, hey, I've got a church, if you want it, you can have it, they might very well leave you. I don't know about you, but I don't want that. Lives are wrecked over those things. Lives are messed up over that. So we know that that's not... That's not the case. That's not what we're talking about. But the enemy does bring pressure. Does that help anybody? The enemy brings pressure. But remember that the, 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 the Lord never does this. Go over to Matthew chapter 11. Let's go quick. Matthew chapter 11. I'm just going to go uh, just a couple extra minutes if this is okay because I feel like we need to get this all out today. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. If you're not there yet, just, just listen. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly, which is humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Anything that causes pressure, not good leadership, but anything that causes real pressure is not from God. It's there to get your eyes off of him and what he does, which is light and easy, and get it on yourself, which is not about you. If you get your eyes on yourself, you will begin to fail. You begin to now fight the current, fight the momentum because you're not going with it. You're trying to add something to it that was never designed to be there in the first place, right? And it can cause things to slow down. Uh, uh, Philippians, um, I'm going to jump ahead here because we need to finish. Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12 Uh, Verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. For who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If you notice, when pressure comes, you always begin to look at yourself. What, what, what am I doing? What do I need to do? What am I not doing right? How does this affect? We start analyzing ourselves. Anybody, can you agree with me that you maybe experienced this? It's not about us. We keep our eyes on him. The author of our faith is the, also the finisher of our faith. The one that got the party started is going to wrap the party up. So stay with the host. Don't try to run your own party in the middle of his party. His party is the best party. Right? Philippians chapter 1 says, uh, uh, I thank God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day into now. Notice verse 6, being confident of this very thing. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Who will complete it? He will complete it. It's not a, you don't have to complete it. He will complete it. I've gone through periods where I feel like I've got, to, I've got to make this happen. I don't have to do anything. Can I just say this? You don't have to strive to be in revival. I don't have to strive to be in revival. Just strive to stay in love with Jesus. When other things try to get your affection in other places and other things try to, to present themselves against the, the knowledge of God, don't strive to be in revival. Just strive and endure and push forward to keeping your attention on him and loving Jesus above everything else. If you'll do that, you'll be right in the middle of revival. Can I just say this? You were born for this. One of the things that the Lord dealt with me, you know, from my, my own self, you know, in this area is, listen, you've heard me talk about it before, just relax, take it easy. 
Just relax. Just relax. And I thought, that's the weirdest thing that God would tell me to relax. Relax. Take it easy. You were born for this. I said, I've said this over, dogs bark. Right? That's what they do. That's who they are. Just relax. Just keep your attention where it needs to be. Don't focus on the, on the, the, the phrasing of things. Just stay in love with Jesus. You were made to know him. You were designed to fellowship with him. You were created to hear his voice and to recognize even the sound of his steps in the garden. You were made for that. So the minute we try to start, I'm, I'm going I'm to listen, I'm going to hear, I'm going to see. But no, relax. Just stay in love with Jesus. That's what you were made for. All this stuff just comes so easy. It's not about us, amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we'll stop just a second. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you're born again, the past is gone. And it's all new. The Bible goes on to say, and now all things are of God. Whew. I love what Paul said. He said, he said, uh, uh, in, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. He goes on saying, the life now of which I now live in the flesh, I live by, the faith, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does that tell you? Paul with all of his issues in the past, got to the place where, yes, he even recognized areas where he wasn't hitting the mark. Yes, he kept pressing forward, but this is where he found himself. And he said, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Jesus gave his life for me. There was an attitude in Paul's heart that, you know what, I'm going to just let God be God and me be me in him Keeping it real, keeping it passionate, always moving forward, yes, but I'm just going to let God be God in me. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Listen, if Christ is living in you, you can't help but to know him. If you're not alive anymore, if it's him, you can't help but to know him. You can't help it. I said you can't help it. You're doing a good job, Pastor Greg. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sometimes you've got to toot your own horn, right? It's so simple, folks. It's so simple. Now, it's tough to deny your flesh. We all know that. It's tough to deny your flesh. Has the Lord asked me to do things that I was like, ouch, yes. It happens quite often. Oh, Lord, why'd you got to bring that one up? That was kind of special to me. Well, so well, I don't want to do that. Let me tell you something. The benefit on the other side is like, oh. Well, dear Lord, why would I want to hang on to that old crazy thing, right? Why would I want to hold on to that? I could, oh, oh, never mind. Yes, sir, obviously. Listen, he's always wanting to exalt you. If you'll humble yourself, he's always going to exalt you. He's always going to lift you up. He's always going to promote you and move you into things that you've never seen, dreamed, or imagined before. That's how he works. That verse in Philippians uh, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It goes on to say, in this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and discernment. See, if we'll just keep our attention on growing in the love of God, knowing him more, 
experiencing him more, just loving Jesus today more than you did yesterday. All of the other details we worked out, amen? Praise, everybody stand up and read this to you. John chapter, James 4, draw near unto me and I'll, I will draw near unto you. The New Living says, draw close to God and God will come close to you. The Message Bible says, say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. We have, we, have, we have God's word. He has given you his word on how he'll respond to you. He'll get, he's given you his word on how, how he sees you, how he's chosen to respond to you, and he always does what he said he would do. Always. We just have to be careful to make sure we don't give in or, or, or listen to the wiles, the plans, the deceits, the strategies of the evil one. Even though it might look right at the moment, its end goal is to derail us. But let's not participate with a defeated foe. Let's stay with the risen, victorious king. Amen? Listen, I tell you, there's more for us. And if you've been feeling kind of like, man, I, I'm just kind of tired and we're not. Listen, just get your eyes back on Jesus. Just get your eyes back on Jesus. I believe there is more for us. What we've seen, we've seen, we've seen some things, but we've barely scratched the surface of what God wants to do. We've barely scratched the surface of what God wants to do. Will it, will, it, will it cause, will we have to adjust our lives? Yeah, we will. We'll have to adjust our lives. You know, Jesus made no bones about it when he called the disciples. He said, deny yourself and follow me. There's a part of that that applies. And a, a preaching of the gospel says that it won't cost you anything. That's a lie. And that, that's something if you buy it, it will derail you. The minute it starts costing you something. Well, I was told it won't cost me. Well, that's, that's not true. It'll cost you. But I tell you what, when it costs you, what you get, the reward you get for it, the benefit you get out of it, far outweighs anything it may cost. Far outweighs anything it may cost. Let's stay on course. Let's stay on track. Let's not let pressure or frustration get us out of where we need to be. Listen, when you run into our brothers and sisters here, let, let's be people who speak life. Right? Speak life when those situations, when you see, if you see me becoming frustrated or see me uh, uh, wilting to pressure, speak up, say, Pastor Greg, God loves you. He's got a plan for you. Stay the course. Stay the course. You know, sometimes your pastors need that too. People sitting around you, they need that. You need to say that to yourself, but let's say it to one another. Let's stay the course. Let's not grow weary in doing well, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.